it is very easy to see the potential in someone and hire for the potential rather than what is. Never do that. subtle art of not yelling is your weekly companion helping creative entrepreneurs master the inner game finish what you start ship your work and build a brand without yelling because it's not the thunder that grows flowers but the rain it's nice to see you it's been a while yes it has thank you good to see you too thanks for the invitation of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, it only felt right. Uh, I feel like I've, in the short time of knowing you, I've been able to kind of absorb some really cool things um, from you. And I really like the way you move through the world and the stuff that you do. So I kind of wanted to just show that to some people and um, dive into it a little bit more. So wonderful. Thank you. Well, I mean, I don't want to ask the, you know, who are you share your background story right off the bat, but yet you do. I know you want to. I know I I do. I always, I always wrestle with that. All right, Jen. So, so tell me what you're working on, what you're excited about now. Cause I feel like in the past few months, you've got this, and this is from my perspective, resurgence of energy around a few things. And I'd love to hear what that's all about. Thank you. I am excited about uh, what's in front of me right now. I am developing a project called Only While I'm Human. And that was based on uh, a dream I had in 2016, a literal dream that wouldn't let me go. And so I've gradually closed my uh, branding work and uh, in order to do this. And a huge, but here's the surprise. Uh, I was going to aim only while I'm human um, at the idea of music and merch and uh, media for all of you, what I call the darlings of what will be. And uh, I'm old enough that I can just see you all as that, and I do. And so my excitement continues to be around creating enrichments for you while you take your turn at being human. What I didn't expect was that I would bring the core brilliance work that I've done in branding forward into Only While I'm Human. And here's why. I I was the one that created core brilliance and brought it to my clients. And I never uh, marketed it or even talked publicly really about it because I knew I was unable to do that for everyone and it would only be frustrating. But then, um, you know, I started playing with AI when it first came out quite a while back. And it occurred to me one night when I was having a conversation with what I call Bocelli, my my bot on ChatGPT, that maybe I could create prompts that would help a person define their core brilliance and even turn it into a brand uh, to some degree. And so I became curious to know what degree is that possible. And then I further realized that, wow, um, our turn at being human is really 
this is a this is an important piece of information to have when we're taking our turn at being human, to know what it is we bring to every table every time, which is what core brilliance is. It's that innate, um, it's not purpose and mission, it's that innate skill that we seem to have uh, that's applicable 360 degrees in any industry, in any part of our life and work. And so it seemed like just a really logical first step. For a while, I thought, oh, you're just trying to talk yourself into this. And But you know how that goes, you second guess yourself. But as time went on, I thought, no, this is, this is where we're going to start. This is going to be our first project. So cool. There's so many um, little strings I want to pull on there. Um, first off, I just want to hear a little bit about like the the words you use, the the language, which I think really resonates with me because it's so unique and like uh, makes me feel versus okay. just like, I don't know, surface level. So you say only while I'm human. First of all, I'd love to know where that kind of the inspiration for that. And then why you say... Uh, the darlings that be, which is also kind of a pattern interrupt. Where did those two come from? Well, the darlings of what will be came first uh, back in 2010. I just, you know, you have these insights and I realized that's how I'm seeing everybody. I just, I just find you all darling, even, and I think I realized it was, I, I, I happen to be a fool for goodness. And I just, I think goodness sees us as darlings, no matter what we do. Uh, And so that's how I started to see, not that I'm in the embodiment of goodness, but I am such a fan of goodness. And I could see how goodness would see us as darlings. And actually the first phrase was the darlings of what can be, because it was, I was seeing potential, but then I changed it to the darlings of what will be, because we are what will be, and what we do is what will be, right? And so now I changed, shifted that to the darlings of what will be. The only while I'm human came <clears throat> through a dream one night where I was about to be born, and I was so excited, and I I knew that I had a, uh, I get to have a human experience, and so uh, you know I I come out, I can see the scenes running, not necessarily of my life, but what felt like my life, but I didn't recognize any scenes really. But I, there was a big clock up to the left and I knew my turn was going to be over at some point. And so the, the, the dream goes along and then sure enough, the clock, uh, my turn is over. the, The alarm goes off. And I said, uh, wow, that was fun. Can I have another turn? And I looked to my right and there was a marquee, like a theater marquee. And on it said, only while I'm human. And under it, it said, now's your chance. So that's where this came from. Are all your dreams that vivid? (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) no. (laughs) So this hung out, this hung on for you for a while, this only while I'm human. Oh yeah idea and that image. So you've turned it into something. What have you turned that into? I've turned it into, uh, so I've, as you, as I said before, I've been working, uh, in my branding practice. So this was happening alongside the clarities were coming. What is only while I'm human going to be? And I first thought it's going to be for kids 
And, and it is, it is for kids. But then I realized some of the kids that I most love being around and seem to love being with me and what I create are kids like you. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, I understand niching uh, and I understand choosing that tiny audience, but for right now, uh, I am creating what I'm creating and it's going to go for who it's going to go for. But I have written, uh, I've started an album, a kid's album called Only While I'm Human and have written the theme song uh, called It's Our Turn Now. Which is great. <laughs> and we that. had... Thank you. Yeah, I had um, I have a dear friend, Janice Stanfield, who's a platinum recording artist out of Nashville. She travels the world now, but she uh, demoed it for me last year in Nashville. Ultimately, it'll be kids singing it, but uh, I have five songs written now from the album, and uh, I'm writing them as if it were a soundtrack to a Pixar movie, even though I know that's a lofty thing, but it's in that spirit and vein. Uh, so I don't know if the album will become more than the album, but I'm so happy to have uh, music around this. And then I have narrowed down that it's all about enriching the Darlings of What Can Be and through music, merch, and media. And so that's where I'm starting. And right now uh, I'm starting with Core Brilliance. It would be the most amazing thing to me if my subscribers all knew their Core Brilliance within this year uh, as a result of this AI work, if it works. So you, you touched on this, but let's go uh, one step further. Um, what is Core Brilliance and how did you come up with that? Core Brilliance is that thing, it's your thing, under everything else. In fact, I believe our talents and our personalities, the way we're put together, are all in service to our core brilliance. So it is my core brilliance, for example, is to see and articulate the truth of what I'm seeing. And that articulation in my case, I mean, there are many people who do this, but in my case, all of each of us are unique because of those other things that shape our expression. In my case, the expression is shaped by a, a toolbox that I find really fun of ways to articulate. You know, I can, I can write, I can speak, I can make art, um, you know, just write poems and songs. So that's my way of, of articulating. And I can go to any industry, literally, and do that. I don't have to be an expert in those in order to, to see and learn and then articulate. Yeah. The, it came up when, um, back in 2000, when I was at the end, a sad end to a huge project. And I felt like I was on the edge of a black abyss of what in the world am I going to do next? And, and so I had started coming up because in my life, people would come to me in my adult life and say, I'm trying to figure out what I should do next. And I thought, why are they coming to me? And, uh, and they were asking for more than just what job should I take? And so I started realizing I am able to, what is, what is this that's happening that I can see down in them like that? And so I had started, I, in my own little 
mind, I was calling it your defining edge. And so she had had all sorts of coaching. And, and so I knew that that was high quality stuff. But I said, well, I've got this undeveloped way of kind of adding input to that if you'd like me to. And she said, yeah, I, I would love that. And as a result of that, I literally had 12 clients in 30 days on the East Coast. And so I would go back from Oregon every month and serve those clients and help them discover their defining edge, which I eventually called their core brilliance. And then I've continued that. Um, so my clients, we would start with their core brilliance. Then we would use that to build out if they were wanting to build a, a new business or uh, a new focus of their business, or if they just wanted to come to their corporate jobs differently, that's what I would help them do. And we would, I put language to it. I'd get it down to a word or two and then build it out, paragraph, descriptor, and then all the things you need for branding and turn it into their brand of brilliance. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So to give an example, which I think is probably the best way to just show this, Jan, do you mind if I read my, my brief? Oh, no, I'd love for you to. Yeah. And for context, we had a long call where, as I often do, Bill, I came to her with chaos <laughs> right? <laughs> I like this. I do this. I've done this, blah, 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 blah. And it was really just this chaotic overwhelm of thoughts and um, things I like to do and things I'm good at. And she was able to kind of walk me through this process, get clear on not the surface, but all the way down. Like you said, the your thing under everything else, which I really liked. So here it is. I am built to compose, yes, compose music, but other things too. You could say I create, and I do. You could say I design, and I do. You could even say I architect, and I do. But I like to say I compose. Composition is my thing. It is my core brilliance. It is how I am built to contribute, even love the world. My talents support my brilliance as a composer. They are in service to it. Composers can be unique and somewhat mysterious creators. I'm understanding that what others might describe as me being in my head all the time is actually me doing what I need to do to be who I'm here to be. Composition is my thing. I bring pieces together to form a whole, a whole lot of good and a whole lot of ways. I am Miles Hansen, composer of brands, songs, and experiences. So thank you for that, Jan. You're welcome. Love hearing you read it. It felt really good to have that uh, just sum of, you know, a reminder of kind of a North Star that sums it all up. Yeah, and that is an example of um, the manifestos that I write. And the reason I write those, even though it's quite poetic and you wouldn't even use all those words in your actual marketing material necessarily, although it, it can be done and get done well, but it's for you. And it yeah. is that it's a touchstone for you to remember that no matter what you call yourself in the world or what's written on your door, this is what you're doing. Yeah, it's cool. And um, I think today, obviously, you know, this is part of the reason why you probably created it. But today, the, the world is even more noisy than it's ever been. And there's so many different things to do. So... 
I don't think many people know their, their core brilliance. How are you going about kind of spreading the word? <laughs> this way, um, <laughs> I'm going at it just slow. I mean, it's just me. I don't have a team. Um, but I'm starting with inviting anyone who wants to, to join me in the experiment of core brilliance and AI and stepping into the only while I'm human world. And uh, so that's, so I'm, so I'm focused on that even as I will be um, in my communication, creating other things and only while I'm human information materials, just to create that awareness that we're, this is it, we're having our turn. And, uh, this is the only time I get to be with you guys on a podcast is while I'm human. And uh, so just that, that awareness, not in a raw, raw, live your best life way that I kind of, I, I do believe in living our best lives, but I don't believe in the raw, raw and the hype around it because some people will live in a rural town their entire life and uh, feel pretty good about it. And I think that is just fine. We get to live our turn out however we want, but uh, yeah, I mean, your best life is whatever is whatever you say it is, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it doesn't have yeah. to look like an Instagram story. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, you know, Jan, it's happened to me again every time that I get around you and I hear you talk about what you're up to. It just makes me want to know more about Jan Black, and I just now I'm like, okay, so you come up with this this well, this brilliant thing called core brilliance, which I totally get. And it's wonderful. How did you, what was the path? Like, you know, it's obviously you've lived a life. Um, how did you get even to the point? What was that path like getting to that point where you were with those kinds of clients and you saw this opportunity and you had this aha I am an absolute example of one thing leads to another, not because of any smarts I have, but because I just tend to say yes and and why not? I mean, that is what my career has been. It's uh, I, I did not grow up with dreams. It wasn't part of the family culture. Uh, troubled youth, um, and married early, chose not to go to college uh, in order to support my husband, uh, always creative, though, and found great joy my entire life in creating. I think that was definitely, um, you know, sometimes uh, people will say, I remember a woman saying that her mom the home was chaos. And so she, uh, that's where she learned to organize was that she became the organizer. Well, no, I say the reason she organized is that was her core brilliance at work, even as a youth, uh, her sister and brother didn't organize, they had their own way. And so this is a cue, by the way, a, a clue to our core brilliance is when we look across our life that way. So mine was creating and, uh, so the kids came and uh, three fabulous kids and I became one of those creative moms and the kitchen table had finger paint all over it and all of that. And, and the kids were going to, um, in those days, 
we were church people. I'm not now. But uh, so they were in a Christian school and that Christian school had wonderful teachers, but you, at kindergarten level, you didn't have to have a degree. And so they invited me to teach four-year-old kindergarten. Well, okay, if my core brilliance is to see and articulate the truth of something, how do you think I felt in a classroom? I was in heaven. And so I really dove in, had the best time with the kids. And then they graduated me to five-year-old kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, the school had uh, a character curriculum for the grades, but nothing for the kindergartners. So um, my friend who was the supervisor and I started saying, you know, let's create something. So I started writing a curriculum for the five-year-olds. And then I said, this needs music. How hard can it be to write music? So that, that typifies my... Uh, approach. How hard can it be to, well, of How course hard it's hard it to write music. Of course <laughs> it's hard. I, yeah. Uh, but I thought for kids, you know, so I, I wrote these songs. Well, before I knew it, I was giving standing room only workshops at conferences, educational conferences, teaching teachers, me without a degree, um, about how to have a creative classroom and 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 then about the care. And then a publisher invited me to write a K through six curriculum. Now, I had never seen a scope and sequence. I didn't really, I knew a curriculum meant what are we going to teach? So I said, yes, I can learn this. And so for two years, I wrote this. It ended up selling, I don't know, I've been told nearly a million copies translated in various languages. And uh, so when that was done, I go, wow, I can write music. I can write. I love projects. What next one do I want to take on? And so I had the idea that, uh, so anyway, let me stop a minute. Any questions on that? <laughs> no, keep going. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, I pulled some people together and thought, what, what book could we write? And my daughter had uh, heard about a shelter that was doing some really great work for survivors of abuse. And so I went to see them and we ended up writing a, a book called It's Not Okay Anymore and a curriculum to go with that. And so I gave workshops on that. Out of that, uh, there was a section on boundaries. Oh, and I enlisted the help of a therapist to write that because I had no credibility in that field. Uh, and so uh, he was my sounding board and and I listed him as a co-author. And, and then uh, we had a boundaries section that a publisher loved and asked us to write a book called Better Boundaries, which we did. And so from there, just other projects came. And the project you're speaking of was a financial education project for women that had never been done before. We were creating like rock concert educational events for like 1,500 women at a time uh, in the larger cities around the country. And uh, it was, anyway, it's a long story. It ended up sadly in bankruptcy. So I've been through that. And uh, then that's where core brilliance happened after that. Wow. That's a pretty cool journey, I have to say. What do you feel like? Um, so I, I love the, the, the unfolding, you know, of your path to sort of following things and saying yes and how hard could it be? <laughs> and obviously there were some, uh, great successes in there that led you to the next thing and the next thing. Uh, 
And also, it sounds like something that was successful for a while and then ultimately wasn't. Um, what did you take away from that, would you say? What's your biggest takeaway or two from that experience? From the failure? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, the toxic shame that I had been dealing with my entire life. <clears throat> the kind of shame, not that I'm ashamed that I did that, but I'm, I'm, I, I myself am ashamed that I exist. Um, just roared huge. And so that gave me opportunity to face that and ask, who will I be? Um, who am I? Uh, what matters to me? Am I, am I personally, as a human being, a failure? So it gave me opportunity to, uh, you know, face the stuff. And, uh, and that is unparalleled in its value. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Any other sort of just straight up business things you wouldn't do again, <laughs> or you, <laughs> uh, yes, you know, yes. have you, does it have you think about things differently? Yes, completely. Uh, first of all, be and 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 okay. Don't interpret this as me blaming anybody. Uh, this was mine. I'm I'm owning what happened. Uh, yeah. But I have since learned that. It is very easy to see the potential in someone and hire for the potential rather than what is. Never do that. Always be sure who you partner with or hire or collaborate with has at least the minimum of skill and talent that you need to absolutely accomplish what you're after instead of hoping their potential will rise. It is just, um, yeah, po potential versus capacity is how I say it. Be sure the capacity of the people you engage with as those who are going to bring something to the world with you have the capacity and certainly potential to even have more of the capacity. Because if you get someone with the capacity, they do have more that you haven't seen yet. But they are responsible. They have taken care of their stuff. Uh, they know what their talent is. They do what is, they say they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that's in place. There, there can't be any room for hope. I hope this person works out. No. Be sure they'll work out first and build in whatever you need to do to make that true. I think that is one of the most valuable things anyone can learn before they have to learn it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had to completely. learn that the hard way. You've had to learn that the hard way. Um, it's it, it's it's almost doubly awful because you do want to see potential in people and you do want them to rise and beyond whatever the failure of the project is. It's also just so disappointing and it can leave you not wanting to work with people and not wanting to uh, collaborate and do those things. And I've been through that space too. And what I 
then realizes it, but I do want to work with people and I love to collaborate and I just have to be more choosy. And it's okay to, to say no to somebody and, you know, and look further. And sometimes, I don't know about you, Jan, but I notice that I almost always know at the beginning that it's not right, but I just figure that it'll work out or that I'll fix it or that they'll rise to it and it never happens. And now when I have that feeling, I'm just a no, you know, cause, cause I have to be, cause I'm, I'm trusting myself. Right. Absolutely. Great, great uh, input on that. And you do know, you do know. The people you are excited about their potential, the people you're serving and helping, the people on your team must have at least your capacity and more. It's always in like, order uh, for this to work. I've been in a lot of bands, you know, over the years. And it's great to feel like you're the worst player in the band. You know, that, that everybody be, else yeah. is just a little bit better than you. They pull you forward. They pull you up. They make you better. And, and I think uh, your team should be the same way. I agree. It's, it's kind of that, it's kind of a harsh philosophy, but uh, hire slow, fire fast. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. The minute yeah. you, what is, I, I, I remember reading that by the time you figure you should fire them, it's, it's way too late. You knew it way before. Oh, yeah. and, it, and it's super hard to do as a, as a coach. I've had several business owners that the first time we talk, they're pretty much telling me I have this person that doesn't belong here. And mm. the first thing I'll say is, well, maybe you should fire them. And then they tell me all the reasons why that's so difficult. And I spend right. the next several months or years talking them into doing what they already know they need to do. But it's so painful and awful, mostly. It's just, it, it sucks. Yeah. I have a little book I started uh, illustrating called um, Potential Versus Capacity. And I, I, that's, one of the, that's one of the enrichments I'll put out there for Only While and Human. Yeah, I think it, I love that a lot. That's fantastic. Jan, have you ever read or heard of the book, um, The Surrender Experiment? I have not. I feel like you would love it. Okay. And I, I think there's a lot of um, similarities between the author's life and yours from what I'm hearing where he kind of just surrendered and he realized that every time he kind of surrendered to certain things in life, it always ended up being so much better than he could ever imagine. And so he kind of just continued to do it and he treated it like an experiment and, and all these incredible things happen. And I feel like you, you kind of have a similar trajectory where th- there's a lot out there in kind of like the self-help space around, you know, and I ag- agree to the, the sentiment, but like say no, be really you know, have, have really strong boundaries, say no. And I agree with that. But also you could argue that there's times where it might feel like a no, but try saying yes and see what happens. And I think that's an interesting take. Uh, and looking at your life, it sounds like you said yes to certain things that you weren't even, you know, the right person on paper to do it. And then look <laughs> right. where it took you. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, it, uh, I believe in it, you know, but that was the, I, I believe in the inspired prompt and uh, I trust my inspired prompt. And, and Bill, you said something about trusting yourself and it has taken me until now to trust myself to a degree that I feel completely safe. And it is the best feeling. I don't think it's going to take you younger people that long, but it has taken me all of my years. And I just realized about six months ago, oh my gosh, the self-trust I have been longing for my entire life is here. Yeah. I don't know yeah, that you had, you know, at And you had it all along. <laughs> you know? No, like, I don't think I did. Well, well, the potential for it was there. You know what I mean? Well, like sure, the, sure. That, that little voice was in there, right? That yeah. little voice was in there. We just well, didn't know I how always, to listen to it. I always followed the inspired prompts. I trusted the inspired prompts because I felt they were uh, divine somehow. That Yeah. But yeah, the self-trust, uh, to trust myself, took a while and I think that was just because of the blunders I've made and how can I trust a person who blunders like this? But now I, I don't know. It's just, I yesterday ran across this uh, scrawled quote where dry desert ends, green grass grows. I will persist until I succeed. I will try and try again. This was on my bulletin board here and I, read that and said it to myself every day. I was in the dry desert and I believed there would be an end to the dry desert where the green grass grows. And I hadn't thought of this quote in a couple of years. I mean, this was buried on a bulletin board kind of behind things now. And I saw it yesterday and got quite emotional because I realized I'm in the green grass. I mean, there's dog poop here and there's weeds, but I'm in, but I'm, I'm in the refreshing green grass. And so much of that I know is that I've come to trust myself. That's beautiful. You know, it's interesting, that whole discussion of saying yes, saying no. It seems to me, sitting here, that there's a time in life to say yes to almost everything, you know, opportunities that come your way, um, you know, and that really worked for you. And I can say it really worked for me too. I've, I've done so many things. I would not be doing what I'm doing if I hadn't said yes to all the things that I said yes to. Um, but, but there does come a point too where, and I know Miles and I talk about this because Miles gets so if you don't mind me saying, Miles, you know, you said it before, like you do have so many interests and you'll get inspired in all kinds of things and want to go off in all these directions. And that can sometimes pull you away from the, the path that you really want to be on. You know, that thing that, that, that supports or is supported by, however you want to say it, your core brilliance. And that really has you building something, Right. And, and so sometimes then you have to say no, right? Um, and it's, it, it is tough sometimes to figure out which one of those things is, is the thing to do. And I would suggest that we can stew 
about it, which I know very well, <laughs> or we can just receive it and say, you know what, I, I am going to learn and I'm going to go this direction. And if I should have said no to it, it's going to be clear to me, but I'd rather be doing something than, than stewing. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned that Ogmandino was the author of this quote. I wanted to give credit there. The other, uh, I don't know if this will be helpful or not, but it's something that struck me last week. So it's a fresh insight and maybe this is better saved for just a conversation, but I was, I'm on Seth Godin's purple space and uh, I'm great at lurking. I, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a professional lurker online. It just, uh, I can give Ted talk and I can talk to big audiences, but, uh, and give workshops, but it, posting uninvited. Oh my gosh. I just get terrified. So I was a lurker, but I don't want to be a lurker. I want to be a participant. I want to I, I want to be part of the game and the and the talk. So anyway, I stopped being a lurker and started posting and wonderful things. Oh my gosh, of course, all of you know who post. Great things happen when you start joining in. And so I've met and had conversations with some incredible people uh, and got to uh, put some pour some stuff into their life and they they into mine. So Anyway, I, I made a post where I could sense that my post, I was my, what, what I then, after thinking about it, called my energetic posturing, I, it was, there's, there's the energetic posturing that is straight and tall and open. And there's this posturing where the shoulders are a little slumped. You don't want to take up too much space. You don't want to sound too, you know, you kind of have to let people know that you know you're not very special. You know, just that weakness, just a little edge of weakness, a little edge of what false humility is. And so I've been just really noticing, and you can feel, I feel it in my gut. You feel it wherever you do in your body, but... When you posture openly and tall, and what is the result of that when you're with people or when you're writing and creating? I can tell the difference when I start writing to the darlings. I can write. So, so here's what's happened recently. I thought I had nine subscribers on my landing page that I threw up quickly for a podcast I was on a couple months ago, whoops. And so I, I was living with the idea that I had nine subscribers and I was writing to those nines. I, I wrote personally to the nine subscribers and nine darlings thrilled me. I went in and got support for the CRM I was using. And he said, no, Jan, you have 1,380 subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's and the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I was shocked. I mean, I, I feel it now. My whole body just goes, mm, that's not possible. As we were talking, it went up to 1380 and then it went to 14. <laughs> and so I have been, I've got to write to these darlings who I love so much, but what am I going to say to that many? Now, if I'm given a speech, that's not a problem, but 
I want to develop a relationship with. So what do I say to them? And I noticed myself getting in this posture. Mm. And it was a more fearful, protective part. Like, what if they don't kind of, what if they don't want to stay subscribed? What if they don't like what I say? You know, all that mealy-mouthed, um, oh, unproductive. So I'm finding myself going through an exercise of just being conscious of what is my energetic posture. And I have promised myself I will not hit send on any post or any letter or anything anymore that doesn't have an energetic posture that is tall and open. I love the way you're languaging that because I think that slumped, let's just call it that slumped, small, energetic posture, that's what will keep me from writing or posting. That's right. Because I'll get in that posture and then my first thought is, I don't have anything to say. I have That's nothing right. to contribute. I have, you know, blah, 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 whatever, you know, however it's languaging in my brain. Um, and it and it is when I come out of that and am standing in that larger sense of myself that of course I have something to say. And then it's and then it's quite easy to right. to write something or or post something. Because this is my dream, right? And now over 1,500 darlings have said, we'd like to hear what you have to say. I mean, I keep right. waiting to find out it's all a hoax. Um, <laughs> because I've, I've done nothing to, you know, earn this. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I have, but yeah. I haven't. I mean, that's, I understand yeah. that. So, and I also understand 1,500 is nothing compared to what many have, but I don't care. They're my 1,500 darlings, and I love mm. you so much. Yeah. And I'm, I'm exuberant in my joy when I'm standing tall in all that I get to share with them and what I get to show them what I see about them. I just feel like this applies so much. You said something, um, we, we kind of talked about it months ago now, and I ended up writing about it because it hit me so hard. I, I, I resonate with it and relate with it so much. And it's this concept of having a guest pass versus full access. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you guest tell me? Pass. What, what yeah, that guest means? pass versus membership card. Yeah. And that is what, that's the epitome of lurking, isn't it? Uh, I'm a guest here. I don't belong. And so it's all about belonging. And I, I found some, I, I take my notes in these big sketchbooks. And uh, so I was going through some, some of my notes from way long ago, and I used that term. I feel like I have a guest pass to life, not a membership card. And that has uh, continued to be a really helpful reference for me to say, no, I, I have a membership card just like everybody else. I get to belong. You pay your dues. <laughs> and the thing is, even if you don't, you have a you're membership still, card. You're still a member. You're yeah. still a right. member. Right. It's you still your to, turn to be human. That's right. <laughs> you get you you still get to voice, you get to or not voice and you know, I don't know, it's just such a difference between a membership card and a guest pass. It's mm -hmm. just and it does speak. Miles, you're right in referencing that because it is very much the energetic posturing, isn't it? Mhm. Mm Mm -hmm. I love that energetic posturing. I, I can relate with that too. It's something I want to work on. Um, 
taking a, a little bit of a step back, I want to see where this fits in, you know, as a branding nerd, if you will, you had had, I believe, a uh, branding practice. What, what, when was that? And how did that come about? And how'd that go? Well, it started with the Defining Edge consultations. And uh, I, I wasn't uh, trained, of course, <laughs> in branding. But I, it's what I was doing. And one day, I, I actually, years of, after I had begun doing Core Brilliance and then helping people bring it to their work or create new work, I thought, well, now, isn't branding just communicating what a person's about uh, in words that really reach people and uh, that focus and, and follow a logical, consistent messaging? And so when I realized that, it became easier to describe what I do because people understand branding. And so I took the leap and said, I'm also in brand development. So that's how that happened. I get the feeling that your process, I don't know why this just came to mind, but I, I was thinking your process in kind of extracting the you know, you, you use a lot of really great creative language. I've noticed that about you. And so I'm assuming when if you were working with someone, especially in branding, you're probably like a face-to-face -face or Zoom asking questions, digging in there, and you're able to kind of extract these different labels and languages that um, really kind of is the art of branding. It's, it's labeling things that we already all know, but in a unique way that kind of resonates with the right people. Yeah. Am I... No, you're absolutely right. And I call it soul to street, that you get to the soul of a person and, and the brand, and then you dress it for the street in language and methods that the street can understand, <laughs> you know? And Ooh, so that's wow. how I do this. That's how, that, that is my method, is get clear on the soul, put language to it that is, because the soul, the language of the soul really... It's it's the arts and it's the and it, and so by putting language to it for you, Miles, as a composer, as one who composes, whether it's branding or composing scientific experiments or whatever field you would want to go into, um, that's that's for you. And but now we have to dress it for the industry. So what words do we use to take it to the street? Because it's important to have a sign on the door that people understand. That isn't the place for fancy language. People need to know they're going to the doctor. They don't need to know that that doctor is a composer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like Dunkin' right? Donuts probably means you're gonna get a donut. They're exactly. gonna have donuts, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's kind of the selfish going to the selfless. Like the, you do the selfish work to figure out your core and then you translate that. Yeah selfishly that's right it's kind it's kindness it's kindness yeah. yeah no it's love right love helps people understand you know and you're built to love uh i think your core brilliance I, our core brilliance is how we're built to love in my opinion um so yeah making it clear for people to know what you're about. And then once they're in the door, they start to get to see the cool wallpaper and they get to read the, you know, the books and the messages on the wall. And that's where the other shows up.
man, I, I'm energized from this conversation. This is fun. Me too. Thanks, Miles. So, in a way, you kind of already, uh, you know, we, we usually ask people what's next. We kind of started with that with you. We, I think we kind of know what's going on next. One of the other things that we always ask everyone, and now I'm, I really got to know the answer to this one for you, is do you consider yourself more of an introvert or more of an extrovert? Well, the test scores say that I'm <laughs> right in the middle. And yeah. uh, the same was true. I actually had a brain scan once. I was working with a client who did lots of neuro stuff. And and uh, I'm equally left and right brained as well, which is why the soul to street works. Um, yeah, totally and get that so I um, I consider myself an introvert, but I can be an extrovert when called upon uh, and when it's in service or, uh, you know, if I'm throwing a party like I did at the holidays, I can be just wildly extroverted. And then afterwards, I, I'm peopled out. So, yeah, I, I ride the line. Yeah, totally get it. <laughs> totally get it. Oh, it's great. I, I just... What a great conversation, Jan. I tell you what, um, I think we have to have you back regularly if for no other reason that you keep calling me young. And so um, yeah, I, I will have you back just so somebody will call me young because that feels great. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this so much. Uh, thank you both. Thank you, Jan. Miles and I don't always do very well with discipline, consistency, and grinding our way through the creative process. We're also tripped up with things like overwhelm, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and lone wolf syndrome on a weekly basis, and it's not a good feeling. So a couple years ago, we created The Box to solve our own problem. The Box is a container and community for creatives to stay accountable, do the work, and actually finish what they started. We help you prioritize your projects and create a box around it. We co-work twice a week for 90 minutes and support you in bringing projects to the finish line. It's not teaching you anything new. It's giving you the structure to focus and create with what you already have. Because amazing things happen on the other side of finished. Come try it out and see how it feels at theboxcommunity.com. That wraps another episode of The Subtle Art of Not Yelling, your home for creative growth. If our words have resonated with you, subscribe, share, and leave us a review. It means a lot and helps us reach more creative entrepreneurs. Join us next week as we continue to explore the art of quietly becoming a creative superpower and thriving without yelling. Until then, keep nurturing your ideas, honing your craft, and shipping your work. Because amazing things happen on the other side of finished. Finished.